here with Left Reckoning. Join us always by Matt Leck. Hey, brother, how are you doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm feeling festive. I'm sure. Uh, it's very festive. This. I've been exactly. feeling festive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope everybody has had uh, a nice break and a good time with family and friends, and uh, very happy to be spending a little bit of time with you all during this holiday season in this community too, which means so much to Matt and I. Um, it's gonna be a little bit of a, of a fun episode. We're calling it the Left Reckoning 2023 Holiday Special, um, and we're gonna do what we do best. Uh, which is talk about some people who we don't like uh, very much. We're going to be going through the much anticipated left reckoning bump steer of the year 2023 list. And I was just thinking, because we are going to have to talk about some degenerates and freaks and losers, I'm still feeling in a giving mood, positive mood. You know, Christmas just happened the other day. I think we should at least start with somebody that we do like, somebody who has been giving a lot to the people, somebody who I will say in this video does have a little bit of the Christmas spirit going on right here. Um, and that is Sean Fain, um, who we don't really know what our term um, on this program should be for the good person of the year. We could call him thoroughbred. We could call him badass. Frankly, man, we could just call it the Sean Fain Award uh, next year for whoever gets it. Um, but we want to take a moment um, and and celebrate all the workers in the UAW um, and, and, and Sean Fain, who have really pushed, I think, the labor movement forward in a good direction. Um, just play a couple seconds of, of him here. I love the post-strike victory uh, look uh, for Fain. He, he did grow out the, the beard and the stash. Um, I know you've had some issues with the color correction on a couple of these videos, but... I, I don't, it's funny to me. <laughs> I mean, it's so pink. It's so magenta um, shifted. It's red, I man. It's red. I, I, look, that's why I said, like, look, Fane being pink <laughs> ideologically, that's cool to me. Fane being pink visually, okay. I mean, I guess it kind of looks like, I don't know, he's under the weather or something, but I'll, I'll, I'll take this rosy Fane. <laughs> well, especially here because he has a very rosy message. Uh, here's Sean Fane's uh, message. Uh, to workers around the country. Our message to workers everywhere is simple. The UAW has your back. And our message to the companies is clear. An attack on a worker anywhere is an attack on workers everywhere. If you come after one auto worker, you're coming after all of us. This is a national movement of auto workers fighting for auto workers. We're not going to wait around for them to attack auto workers who are speaking out for a better life. We aren't going to let them silence working class people standing up for themselves. We will use every tool in our toolbox. And yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, as, as uh, we've said multiple times on the program, uh, very easy for, you know, a character like Sean Fain uh, to at least initially, you know, ride off into the sunset for a little bit. Um, but the fact that the OAW has sort of taken this victory and just immediately uh, got the ball moving on organizing non-union uh, uh, auto workers across the country, particularly in the South, um, I think really just shows how deep um, and th these commitments are and how wide arranged uh, uh, the the ambitions for the UAWR. It's no longer this kind of, hey, we're just going to protect uh, what we got. 
Um, it's we want more and we want more. We want these kind of protections and expansions of rights, higher wages for workers across the board, not even just in our industry, but workers across uh, the country in all different kinds of industries. And, you know, we say this a lot. I mean, you know, the politics in this country are pretty bleak. Uh, we've been sort of dealing with a, a loss of let's, um, you know, apart from a few folks like uh, honorary shout out to to people like Rashida Tlaib uh, and Cory Bush. Um, who have shown a lot of courage and tenacity in the past couple of months. Um, but, you know, I think we, it's, it's really important to take a little moment in the holiday times to, to honor somebody and, and a movement in the UAW uh, that has given us all a lot of spirit um, and conviction and courage and optimism at a time when it could be really easy to get down um, and become depressed. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's not just riding in the sunset, but he's immediately coming to uh, fight for uh, not only like broader uh, labor movement here, but also calling for a ceasefire in Gaza uh, mm. with uh, led by Brandon Mencia, another uh, up and coming UAW leader. And that's the sort of thing that like, it's not it's not something we should take for granted. And we should celebrate it because this question of uh, you know, war is one that has massively damaged the labor movement in the past because mm -hmm. of leadership that was not so uh, bold and courageous. And so, I, yeah, I 100% hats off to Fain. And I'm also glad. And it, part of it is like, you know, Biden came to them. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they have not endorsed Biden yet, and they nor, nor should they. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 like, I, I, if they look, if they get something and say we're it's better than Trump, I, I understand that from a movement. But I'll also say, if they decide our membership decides not to endorse this year, um, I would absolutely support that too. But either way, they have the prerogative to make a demand like that and a call like that because of the work that all these UAW members have done. And uh, yeah, it's it's the best thing in politics of the last year. 100%. And, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, sort of looking um, back at the year 2023, it's funny to to, to remember uh, what was sort of going on um, at the beginning of this year. I mean, most of the conversations were something we're about to certainly get into in a little bit. Uh, the failures of the Biden administration uh, to sort of act on the mandate that they got uh, when they beat Trump back in 2020. Um the reclamation of some of Trump's border policies. And that's even before this most recent negotiation attempt by Biden. Remember, uh, we, we were talking about this in March uh, when Biden was reinstating a lot of Biden policies. Um, you know, but really like the big kind of early question of 2023, Matt, if you remember, it almost seems quaint, uh, was who was going to rise up and defeat Donald Trump uh, in the Republican primary, uh, whether or not DeSantis uh, had the ribs, as the kids say. And... Uh, no. Um, no, it's almost, <laughs> we made that call pretty early on this program too, uh, that it was going to be Trump. Um, and I think that that has certainly been, um, you know, true. And then, you know, I think when it comes to political coverage, I mean, this year, um, you know, not having, uh, some of the, I don't know, unity that comes with like the Bernie Sanders political movement in 2016, 2020, a lot of people felt lost and in the wilderness. And one of the reasons why I figured it was worth sort of starting up and, and, and reorienting people's towards labor is because I think this was a really telling year um, when it comes to, to labor struggle. I mean, we saw significant gains for people. Uh, we saw the Teamsters movements. We saw the movements in Hollywood. Um, 
you know, we saw fights all across the country. Um, and the UAW, I think, being like the, the crowning jewel of one of the most successful reinvigorating moments in, in, in labor history, at least in recent years. Um, and I also think it was a clarifying moment, too. Um, when it comes to the way that certain people think about politics, certain people who consider themselves to be socialists, progressives, or radicals, how they were reacting to some of the most significant mobilizations of working people in both of our lives, right, Matt? Um, whether or not they were thinking that the role of media should be sort of supporting and growing and, and building out of these things, or if it was time to sort of hark the same old conspiracies and sell out narratives and all that kind of bullshit. Um, I think it was a very clarifying year. Uh, it was also clarifying, too, because some of the other progressive people who say things like, well, what we need is unions, what we need is unions. Well, it seems like they weren't too interested in actually spending a lot of time covering uh, these things because it means sometimes you get in the weeds and it means that you don't get to do the buzzy title um, and all that kind of stuff. And I think, uh, you know, made some friends and uh, some people who I wouldn't necessarily say are our friends before. Um Maybe we have more justification for not being friendly now. Yeah, I mean that that is kind of a nice thing of um, of the of the lines that a, a, a situation like Israel Palestine it really mm -hmm. it really resets the playing field in a certain way. And there's a number of different events that have happened since I've been covering politics that do this. But like, um, uh, first of all, like half the so-called challengers to joe biden in the dem primary are zionist apologists themselves if not just rabid pro-zionist yeah. propagandists like bobby kennedy um calling palestinians pampered uh which with crystal ball and like like i, I appreciate i've appreciated like crystal i've appreciated people that have met the moment when it comes mm -hmm. to this and actually being forthright about uh, what is the deal with Israel. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then there's certain people that have not uh, met that moment uh, quite so well. No, no, I think we'll at least get to one of them. So I don't know what we want to call that opening, um, but shout out to, to the UAW and Sean Fain and the labor movement as, as a whole. That's where our focus oh, yeah. is going to be, and that's where your focus should. One note, um, actually, uh, uh, mid-December, um, um, about the December 16th, I think it was, um, the New Brunswick nurses yes. uh, reached a deal. And uh, my impression of that uh, is, you know, it's not the victory that we would want. Uh, mm. And the hope is that you can regroup and fight for uh, that later on, um, is my sense. But at least, uh, you know, they're not shut out of the strike now the, um, the unemployment was running out which is a uh, uh you know those are the type of material issues that really impinge on people and why all those things should be really um uh um, expanded so people have uh, the ability to stand up for themselves mm -hmm. no 100 percent, 100 percent. well ready matt it's the time for our, our bum steer honorable mention uh there's one guy who it's an easy choice we got to do it we'll get to him in a minute um but when looking at 2023 there's a lot of villains and um you know even people who are not including on this list but there was characters like elon musk um who uh for me at least um you know represents a real degradation of uh this country um of american capitalism 
um, and most frightening for me of the state of Texas and what our future is going to be looking like. He, um, as, as people know, in addition to all of his kind of Twitter stuff, um, you know, which people understandably are upset about. I mean, he has been nothing but a terror uh, on the state of Texas and has very much found a home uh, within the far right movement. Uh, here's a photograph from earlier this year when he was going down to the border um, in order to get, uh, um, you know, to, to do more immigration porn, uh, immigration fear mongering. Um, and I find this to just be an absolutely disgusting photograph um, is just seeing all these people who are desperate, in danger, fearful, confused as to what's going on. And they're just sort of being, you know, pulled out as props uh, for one of the wealthiest people in the world uh, to basically advocate against more migrants coming into the country. Um, not just advocating for lowering migration rates, by the way. Let's let's be very clear. Uh, what the Republican government here in Texas has been doing has been torturing and attempting to to drown people in the Rio Grande, um, right? And this is something that Elon Musk has come out in support of, and you know, is trying to sort of. Uh, I don't know, run interference for the the just brutal evil that everyone can see through. Um, I find this guy to be somebody who obviously I have a distaste for before that. Um, but there's something really nasty, I think, about coming to a state like Texas in the first place and then and also living in like where he lives, right? And he always lies, oh, I'm homeless now. You know, this guy is living in nice places. <laughs> Um, and sort of being like, oh, you know what the problem in this state is, is that there's migrants coming into Texas. Um, of course, with all the irony, knowing that one, he's a recent uh, resident of the state and two, uh, is not an American um, by birth either, somebody who came to this country. Uh, truly endlessly disgusting. Um, we also know about the damage that he has done in South Texas uh, with SpaceX, uh, which is continuing to devastate and destroy the environment. Um, literally just blowing up precious wildlife, uh, sacred lands of indigenous peoples, terrorizing um, organizers in, in Brownsville, Texas. And then of course, what he's doing right here in the Austin area with his factory, um, both the Boring Company and Bastrop and his new uh, Tesla truck company, um, where as, as people know, a worker died while building that facility because the conditions were so unsafe and dangerous. Um, and the, the boring company location here in Bastrop, uh, they're just dumping tons and tons and tons of, um, toxic water into our aquifer and water systems here. Um, and we're just more and more damage. And just, there's a guy who feels very confident that he can get away with it and probably because he can, because the state government here doesn't seem very interested, um, in making sure that Texans, both, uh, the environment and Texas workers are protected from uh, a monster like that. Yeah, I mean, get away with it. The the politicians like work for him. We they'll track. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing to watch these guys bend over backwards for him. Yeah. Um, and also the goofiest thing is when they're fucking talking about how cool the truck looks. That's the thing. Is like at a certain point, I can be like, you know what, politics. Um, you know, are are you know, politics aside, there's something really embarrassing about watching a text and sit here and be like, you know what? I think that that Tesla truck, that fucking N64 looking abomination, yeah. that's a real truck, and I'm happy to see it made in Texas. Nah, man. I hope that shit fails so much. Did you see it get stuck in the uh, uh, snow and had to get yanked out by a Ford? The thing is, is these things are so damn heavy. I don't think people understand. Like, it's a different type of activity that you're doing. Than even taking a combustion engine out there because of how uh, how heavy the batteries are, so you need all that power. 
the thing is, so the, you call them parking lot uh, princesses, um, those kind of like souped up trucks that like look really big and tough, but, you know, don't really have a lot of towing capacity or ability to do like truck stuff. Um, and you would sort of want to call the Tesla truck a parking lot princess, except that it doesn't even look badass. You know what I mean? It doesn't no. even do the thing that it's supposed to, which is look good. It doesn't signify truck. It signifies... <laughs> Video it's, game it looks boy. like something. Yeah, it's look like it looks kind of like more like a municipal vehicle, like you drive around <laughs> reading parking meters or something. Like <laughs> it doesn't. I don't. I don't know. Like I and I. If look, if it catches on, I might become. Mm. I don't like misanthropy, but my misanthropy rating will probably go up a little bit slightly, and I won't <laughs> like that. I hope it fails massively because I think it's just so stupid. But the thing about it, Musk is like, and you know, as we get into like this, uh, we talk about like the bump steer of the year or whatever. Mm. Um, he, I think, people, the the book is out on him. Like most people get yeah. it with Musk now in a way that was, I think, very confusing to people maybe five years ago. I mean, as a barometer, right? And of course, the the right in the state will always say that, like a publication like Ten Texas Monthly, which, by the way, it's just like the you know they do good political. I'm not even saying anything bad about it, but you know, it's just a, a magazine about the state, right? Um, you know, the right wing will always be like, oh, they're the bunch of liberals or whatever. Um, but even <laughs> Texas Monthly put Elon Musk as one of one of their runners up for for bum steer of the year, and uh, for me, it's like that sort of felt like uh, okay, like the myth is starting to get penetrated, um, certainly nationally, but even regionally here. Um, yeah. The excitement that a lot of people had is like, oh man, technology's coming to Texas or something like that. Um, I think is is going away. Before we get to some of these other figures, I mean, obviously, um, honorable mention to self-driving cars, <laughs> which also right. had a pretty devastating year. Uh, both the Tesla and the Cruise variety. I'm very happy to find out that those aren't going to be on the streets. Though I have seen a couple um, around here, even though I thought that they had uh, packed up. And they I don't know if somebody was San driving. Francisco, I think. I think, oh, I'm pretty sure Cruz said that they're packing up operations all across the country uh, in Austin included. I didn't look close enough to see if somebody was behind the wheel, but I just, you know, I saw a vehicle on the road the other day. But thank God those are off the road. Um, extremely dangerous, hubris, um, you know, insane uh, vehicles. 2023 was one that Matt and I uh, dined at that table a lot, looking at the failures of AI and self-driving cars. AI, um, hopefully we'll be able to be a, a, a proper bump steering the year uh, soon. Blockchain, you know of course. What's the funny thing about AI? AI? The funny thing about AI is like Bing has it now. And nothing yeah. nothing can like sort of take the gloss off of a technological product than have Windows try to see like, oh, actually <laughs> we have exclusive funny. control over this. It's like, yeah. oh, this is not. Actually, I would be anymore. curious to see what Bing's numbers are like since, since that happened. Probably yeah, not as impressive as, as you might expect for this, you know, apparently world historic technology. It's um, only getting better. <laughs> other quick ones, uh, you know, obviously the Texas ledge, Texas state government, uh, HB one twenty one seven, sorry, HB twenty one twenty seven, the Death Star bill, uh, one of the most dangerous and, and frightening uh, things passed, a complete war on the concept of democracy. Remember, for people who don't uh, recall. Uh, that's the bill that was sort of sold, told to people as uh, the water break ban bill, um, which it does intend to do, uh, which is banning uh, basic workers protection for people that are passed by cities. 
But it's so much more nasty and disgusting than that. It is a direct war on local democracy in general. Um, so it's trying to frighten and threaten city council members, county governments, local governments across the state of Texas from being able to do what their mandate is, which is to govern um, and to set up rules and regulation to make sure that things run well, that people, workers are safe. Um, and it's a direct attack on the grassroots and progressive movements across the state of Texas that have successfully um, mobilized around issues from marijuana uh, to bail reform, uh, to environmental justice, to workers' justice. Um, and, uh, you know, these little freaks out there love to talk about small government um, and all that the Texas legislature has been doing over the past five, six years has been massively expanding, not just their power, right? You think that'd be what they would want to do. The power of the executive branch of the, of the state of Texas, uh, which has been used for what? Uh, to continue uh, waging war on migrants, wasting billions of Texas dollars, um, trying to run parallel border operations with the federal government. Abbott, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, President Joe Biden is very happy to terrorize migrants, as we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, the fact that we're spending more money on that is just continually disgusting, uh, not to mention the, the human cost of things like the drowning devices in the Rio Grande. So obviously, big uh, consideration for those folks for pump steer of the year. But I think in left reckoning tradition, we sometimes have to look at people in the center left to moderate position uh, before we go to the right, because I'll tell you one thing, I don't think that the right wing is really taking too many cues from a program called Left Reckoning. Well, exactly. Like no one's, <laughs> no one's under the misapprehension that actually Abbott should force a woman to carry a pregnancy to term uh, or have doctors uh, sweat about it. No one, mm -hmm. but people might uh, say, look to a progressive leftist uh, about whether the Biden economy is good enough uh, for voters or if, you know, just uh, for instance, uh, Israel is an apartheid state. <laughs> and on that, talking about gaining friends and losing friends, before we get to the big man himself and talk about the bump steer of the mm. year, let's right. take, uh, I think, the runner-up, I think the closest runner-up, I think the only reason that, um, the reasons we didn't make this guy the number one is one, power and influence has a lot, other person has more. Two, how recent uh, some of this stuff was. We want to make this a little bit more holistic look at the entire year. Um, and because at a certain point, what more can you say about this? Uh, but the other one is none other than John Fetterman, who I think has just exposed himself as a complete total asshole. And we would just be remiss uh, not to have him at least mentioned in this um, because not only is this somebody who's taking votes and positions that are disgusting, a lot of Democrats do that. That's the thing that they love to do. Right. But what Fetterman likes, and I think is very perverse about him, is he actually takes a specific joy um, in, in, in this new role for himself. So one, as we people know, we've covered on this program, he has uh, harassed, laughed at, made fun of veterans asking for the United States government to not uh, support slaughter in Palestine. Um, he's now just completely ignoring his constituents in the state of Pennsylvania, um, straight up mocking them. So I don't know, not to be too rose, rosy eyed about American democracy or anything like that. It's pretty egregious. It's extremely egregious. Even the Republicans, you know, at least will say, oh, you know what? I don't agree with you, sir, but you know, we're happy to hear you talk to us. I mean, these guys are straight up being antagonistic, uh, to their own constituents. But then there's this whole other layer here where now John Fetterman is not saying, 
Um, you know, not only we already knew, as Ben Burgess wrote about very well when he was running for 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 Senate, that Fetterman's been, always been awful on Israel. So this isn't a heel turn. Um, but the real heel turn, I think, has been not only is he going to maintain these kind of brutal positions that he's having, he's now denying the fact that he was ever a progressive, which, hey, you know, I'm glad that you, you know, you knocked that out for us. And let's just hear it in his own words, because he put up this video. And I think that it might be fun to sort of look at the lies here. Um, but here's a clip that John Fetterman put out saying, I'm not a progressive, I'm I'm just a Democrat. But here, here it is. Fetterman is overwhelmingly the favorite to win what could be the Sorry, I matlecked y'all. <laughs> Fetterman is overwhelmingly the favorite to win what could be the Democrats' best chance at flipping a Senate seat with more than half of the registered Democrats in the state saying they plan to vote for him. Are you a progressive? No, I'm just a Democrat that has always run on what I believe and know to be true. And six years ago, that was considered progressive. But now there isn't a single Democrat in this race or any race that I'm aware of that's running on anything different. And we are squandering, in my opinion, an enormous opportunity to do some transformative good through legislation that is being stopped by a senator like Joe Manchin. And I'm not criticizing him. I'm simply saying I would vote differently. So if that makes me anything, you know, it's not, I don't believe it's a moderate to derail your party's and president's agenda. All right. It doesn't even so, make the point. That doesn't, that makes the exact opposite yeah, exactly. of the point. <laughs> He's such a funny, like, the, the, so the, the, so, so, I, sorry, go ahead. Man. I don't want to steamroll you there. Oh, uh, well, I'll just say, like, uh, much is made about um, Fetterman's mental issues and his stroke and all that stuff, and I have uh, proudly uh, said, like, I think it's good that people that deal with those issues are in this, have representation in the Senate. Um, none of that bears on this. I think everything I'm about to say is pre-stroke, pre-any of that. The mm -hmm. guy is... Uh, beneath the dignity and beneath the intellectual like capabilities of someone to, that should run for office and the only reason he has the position he does is because he's from an old family that is used to that sort of thing um because like like the, that he's the the, the to, and only somebody that comes from um people stock that owned slaves in the 1750s as great grand pointed out um feels that willing to insult your intelligence like that mm -hmm. uh, as that note said uh it, that you put up numerous times he has explicitly said he was a progressive that thing that, that he just posted was him saying well, whatever you want to call it, I guess people are calling it progressive, but actually, I think it's just Democrats. Like, yeah, like, like, he, uh, and uh, like he has a DSA, uh, former DSA, maybe um, spokesperson mm -hmm. or comms person. Adam Gentleson was our majority reporter because he wrote something in the Nation about like, yeah, like the progressive stuff. It's like it, it's just like he's he's insulting to your intelligence, and he doesn't give a fuck. Um, so yeah, I, 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 the thing is with, with Fetterman is like, it's not so much of a bumpster because he's like you said, Ben Burgess pointed out the progressive except Palestine thing. I wouldn't have predicted the let's make a vote about title 42 or make a deal mm -hmm. about title 42 with him, but not really like the, yeah, I'm proud to be here tonight with Bernie Sanders burning for Fetterman. Yeah, right. Exactly. Progressive um, values have been the heart of my campaign, <laughs> right? That's 2018. Right. Yeah. No, you know, and I mean, yeah, go ahead. yeah. 
No, I'm I'm just saying it's like I and I totally agree. I mean, that's why he didn't he didn't make the cut at the end, you know, tight, tight spot though. But um, you know, the thing is like even going back to this clip that he's trying to like say, like, look, I've always been this way. What he's doing in that clip is, in fact, um, just being, a, you know, an extreme coward, right? Um, because what he's doing is saying, like, you know, ba basically, they might call me a progressive because of all the progressive things that I think. But maybe yeah. being a progressive is, like, moderate or whatever. It's just, like, this kind of, like, you know, oh, I'm going to be sticky about what terminology you use on me so that maybe I can appeal to some people who would be offended if they heard me call myself a progressive, right? Very classic, like, you know, this is politics, right? That's what these old folks all do all the time, which is, oh, you know, oh, I'm just like a normal guy, moderate, you know, I don't have any political, deep political convictions or anything like that. You know, which is like, whatever, like, you know, sometimes you do that in politics and I would like, um, I would, uh, you know, defend somebody maybe doing that if they felt they needed to in a race, right? Just as a tactical media move, right? Mm -hmm. But what's really funny about that is like effectively though, there's something a little cowardly about not just saying, hey, here's what I think, here's what I believe, right? And in that clip, he's very clearly being like, oh yeah, they call me a progressive. Maybe you think that's a bad thing, but I think all the things that I believe in are good, right? Um, and, you know, so basically he's like, he's calling himself a progressive, but he's saying, well, you can call me whatever you want, I don't care, right? And then it's extremely cowardly later to use something like that and say, like, look, I've always been explicit about the right. fact that I'm not a progressive. But it's like, the, come on, man. The tone of that video is you saying, yes, I am a progressive. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, wink kind of thing. Anyway, it's just uh, unbelievable, uh, you know, character. The, you know, uh, again, and it's just like we always knew he was going to be bad on, on Palestine. But I think the thing that makes him even nastier is like the kind of like perverse pleasure he seems to take in it. Um, yeah. Like in, in actually playing an antagonistic role. Um, and now, as, as you were just saying um, that it's not, it's not just like the kind of classic, oh, progressive, except for Palestine um, as he's now moving on, uh, on immigration. Yeah, no, I mean, and on the question of Palestine, and it, this, these are counterfactuals that I, I think are probably limited in, in usefulness, but his, his opponent, Dr. Oz, is a Muslim. Now, he's a very pro-Israel Muslim. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless, he was challenged by the Jerusalem Post for not being explicit enough about what he would do for Israel in the campaign. Now, I'm not saying that he would be better than Fetterman on, on Israel, but I do think that, like, it is something to keep in mind, like, I, I, the balance of power there, and mm -hmm. I think it's... What I'm trying to say is, I think it's good that Fetterman is because I think it's good that the Democrats own that, so we can be very clear-eyed about the problem we have in this government right now. Because, I mean, I could see a situation where uh, the Republicans have a, a higher portion of the Senate and are able to like give Biden whatever he wants with regards to all this stuff. I don't know. I, I, that, that, that's maybe less interesting because Dr. Oz isn't going to run again. I, I, I'll just say like. I've never been an actual blow, blue, uh, vote blue, no matter who person. And I think mm -hmm. uh, this is a, as good of a excuse as any. Like, fuck, fuck John Fetterman, man. Like, I, I'm, um, and <laughs> yeah, like the the fuck the, the Democratic the Party. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, like, not to be, you know, but like at this point, it's sort of like okay. Um, I mean, I'm I'm forgetting. Um, who, who said this, but a, a, a kind of Palestinian commentator was saying, you know, all these people are, are, are saying, well, it's like, remember that Biden is, um, you know, better than Trump. And, and, and right. somebody says something along the lines. It's like, 
No, like, what are we talking about here in scale? I mean, like, we're, like you're talking about like one more, less or more person would die. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, Joe Biden has fully embraced the mass slaughter of people in Palestine. And how can you even Is, make that point? Like, I don't, I, I don't know that that's true. Like, you yeah, might have yeah. some opposition if Trump was in, like, at least just nominally. But now, oh, yeah, from all the, the from all the whiny, from all the yeah, all the whiny liberals who are making excuses right. for yeah, one hundred percent. Because, yeah, no, like I, 100% true. That wasn't going to come from the right. Um, yeah, like, you know? I, I don't know. You need Joe Biden coming out and saying, I don't know if we have those. Like, like if BB is going for it, which it looks like he fucking is, mm -hmm. um, having a liberal uh, standing up and saying, uh, actually, I don't know if you can trust those death numbers. Actually, Israel mm -hmm. is the... Uh, most careful when it comes to casualties that that's more useful than trump saying uh these guys are good at deals like like because one of those is ameliorative or like um it, it puts people at ease you have i mean you have an entire like sort of cohort of resistance liberals being trained into a, a, a Zionism that is akin to fascism, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. As far as like, how do we deal with certain populations that we control, <laughs> we have a colonial mm. relationship to? This is like, they are going back to watch Battle of Algiers and saying, actually, no, the French should have stayed there. Yeah, torture. Yeah, put those people down. And mm -hmm. that's because of like the partisan situation. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like if Oz was in power, maybe the balance would be slightly different and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that democratic, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, no, I mean, like, but here's the, I mean, here's the point is like, you know, I, I think like sitting around and like, uh, twisting yourself in, into knots, thinking about like all the different circumstances that could be right. happening if, if this person or that person was in a position. Um, you know, is unhelpful in order to like, and I, I still don't agree with the, the kind of thing of saying that necessarily like Democrats and Republicans are, are, are the same because they're not. But what I think is because what is it just explicitly clear what I've known for a long time. Um, and I just think like just needs to be said and just needs to be accepted because it's a hard reality for a lot of people. Um, is that both of these things are extremely bad and are just unacceptable. And anyone who is still doing this kind of thing, like you need to line up and dedicate yourself um, into supporting these folks, these warmongers, people like Joe Biden, right? Because like the fate of democracy rests on it. The fate of immigrants rests on it. The fate of the globe rests on it. You like that's, it's, that's just a shameful argument at this point, because what that does is it tries to sweep up this fundamental issues and problems with American politics under the rug, be they Republican or Democratic side. So the point is not to get yourself into some silly thing where like you can't look at the world and see differences or anything like that. But it's also to put it back against this hysterical anti-democratic argument that comes about every single time there's a fucking election in this country where you were told you shouldn't be criticizing, you must support, you must line up behind uh, the, these kind of characters. Because the fact is, is that people have been right for a long time is that both of these forces are extremely dangerous and anti-democratic um, and in fact deadly uh, to millions of people around the globe and to sit here and continue sitting on your high horse and talking about oh well you know if, if you don't support this person then that means you support that um is bullshit because we are literally watching the counterfactual play forward right because this is you know if it was the other way around and trump was the president and all these things were happening people would be like oh well these folks who didn't support biden that's why israel palestine literally we're living through that counterfactual right now 
um, and it's being shown correct that like Joe Biden would administer the same kind of brutality uh, when it comes to Israel-Palestine as much as he's willing to uh, administer the same kind of brutality on the United States-Texas border. Sorry, the, sorry, the te Texas-Mexico border. Easy, I know. I know. <laughs> Getting too excited. I, did you see that H24? Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> that's what's in my head. Um, that's on the Civil War movie that's coming off the H24. I will say H24 has one called The Zone of Interest, which is coming out. I don't know if you saw that one that's set in mm -hmm. Germany. Interesting. And it's based on uh, Martin Amos's novel, The Zone of Interest. It's one of his last oh, ones. Cool. And it's, it takes place in Germany during World War II. And I remember the book being pretty fucking fucked up because it's like German people being like, oh, that's an instant smell. And it's like they're smelling the smell of the death camps. Man, yeah, that's horrifying. Like that. And I think it, you know, I, I'm intrigued by that because I do think there are a certain number of people that are smelling that smell. And uh, mm. I think the people that are pointing out that that smell smells are anti-Semitic. And in fact, they're just trying to stop an ethnic cleansing that's happening right now. Uh, well, on that note, let's introduce him. I think everyone knows who it is. Bumsteer of the year 2023 is none other than President Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden will be up uh, for, for re-election in the next year, in 2024. It's going to be an interesting uh, campaign as we have seen his support um, across the board crater. Um, his favorability are just at historic lows. The loss of support from young people, uh, from Muslim voters, is nothing short of catastrophic for the Democratic Party. Um, and what has been really fascinating to see is that there's not really much in the ways of tactics um, for for on, on the side of that party um, to sort of deal with this problem other than returning to the 2016-2020 style playbook of trying to browbeat people who aren't willing to support somebody um, who is backing one of the most horrific slaught mass slaughters um, in, in recent years. Now, we thought it might be fun because, you know, you don't want to give Joe Biden too much credit. He can't do this alone. He needs the full um, weight of the American empire, the American state, staffers, uh, um, he certainly needs uh, the help of the United States military and the Democratic Party at large, and no doubt about it, major American corporations. Um, but there are other figures who do play a big role in helping someone like Joe Biden achieve his goals, and that is whiny little pundits. Um, at least one of these guys, I don't know if you could call him a pundit, maybe a famous Twitter uh, weirdo. But where should we start, Matt? Foreign policy or domestic policy for our little bump steer tour with Joe Biden? Well, we've been talking uh, foreign, so let's just stick there maybe to start. All right. As people know, Joe Biden's alleged bear hug of uh, Netanyahu uh, has basically given uh, uh, cover uh, for the Netanyahu government uh, to continue just an indiscriminate bombing and now ground war against the people of Gaza. Uh, the images that we're getting out of Gaza continue to be horrific um, and uh, it's it's just it's, it's horrible because you don't want to become numb to it, but it's every day just something that's unfathomable, something completely devastating. Um, continues. Israel regularly has been shown to be lying, um, trying to manipulate uh, certainly the media, and a lot of people don't even need to be manipulated. They're willing to um, sort of take whatever narrative uh, they're expected to. It's wild in the United States. Of you know, there's an interesting dynamic in in uh, I think the Western world. Uh, where, um, you know, what are actually like sort of t acceptable criticisms of Israel within Israel, 
Um, not, you know, acceptable in the sense that, uh, the way that Americans, uh, sort of react to, uh, some of the criticisms of like the settlers or things like that in this country, um, which is, uh, very much like, I think been determined in Israeli politics, the right wing just has complete, um, stranglehold on government politically, but you can get things published in mainstream, uh, papers, at least papers on the left. Um, where in yeah. the, when the U S the mainstream paper, you very hard to write anything, um, about Israel. Yeah. Har I mean, Haaretz has a bunch of, I think either, if not like anti-Zionist, at least post-Zionist, I think Gideon Levy himself, like, I think as a main mm -hmm. one would be anti-Zionist. And I mean, that's not to say Israeli society is extremely <laughs> sick. No, uh, I'm not saying that at all. I'm right. trying, trying to be um, careful, yeah. But the, but I think like the, the difference comes from like we actually can have some the, the idea that people know who Ben Gavir is is mm -hmm. a problem because that is not so, that is not the sort of thing that used to come into the word cloud over here, right? It's just bus mm -hmm. bus explosion, terrorist <laughs> jihad, that stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't that that they have far right messianic settlers um that you know gun down people in a mosque and then say that's a heroic thing to do in the 90s um that's not something that like liberal zionists in america ever really have to deal with because the conversation would never get that developed right mm -hmm. and now that they now they do though is the problem and you know and and you see the things that are happening in american government and american media i mean you have joe biden just straight up saying that he doesn't believe the numbers um, the death tolls that are coming out of Gaza, uh, which is just, I think at a certain point you can become desensitized to the insanity of America. And, and I think we were talking about that, especially at the beginning of this, this, uh, this onslaught. Um, it's like, there is a part of it that like makes you feel absolutely insane when you're seeing the U S government and, and Biden basically denying the death toll, um, uh, you know, just absolutely horrific. Obviously, the support is unwavering. Um, the willingness to continue sending bombs to be used to murder people in Palestine, unwavering um, from from Joe Biden. Um, you know, now we get this little kind of whisper at the end of the press, uh, you know, conference where it's just like, oh, we're also encouraging Israel to uh, make sure that they're only hitting military targets. You, it's yeah. it's 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 almost worse than saying nothing at all um, at this point because. The United States government has plenty of military intelligence as to what the Israeli government is 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 practicing uh, when it comes to Gaza. And frankly, you don't even need to have high level classified military intelligence to see what the activities of the Israeli government are in Gaza. Um, and 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 to sit here and sort of say, well, you know, we one hundred percent support everything that they're doing, uh, but also think that they should, you know, make sure that they do it in the right way. Um, is, is just truly disgusting uh, when you're playing a massive role um, in, in defending and advocating for it. Now, talking about advocating for something, I wanted to, as we were saying, this segment, we're going to look at Biden through uh, some of his boys um, who spent a lot of time defending him, making sure that he's okay. Uh, somebody who has taken a very gleeful uh, role in defending Joe Biden is none other uh, than Mr. David Pakman. Uh, who we have done a few segments on this program about uh, since the beginning of this conflict. And before we get whiny folks in here saying, oh, you know, you guys are taking our context. This is the shit he's putting out there on Twitter. These are the clips he's taken. He wants people to see. And let's see what he has to say. I see all the same reports that you see. Young people displeased with Biden over handling of Israeli Hamas war, so on and so forth. Disaster for Biden in 2024. First and foremost, you're telling me that those people 
who don't feel Biden has done enough are going to vote for Donald Trump. That doesn't make any sense, first and foremost. Secondly, it is actually remarkable the amount of success that Joe Biden has had here, pushing Israelis to allow aid into Gaza, warning Israel to <laughs> overplay your hand, getting involved in the negotiation for hostage release. And that is major. That is tangible and that is major. And meanwhile, Fox News is talking about. First of all, it's not it's not it's not the issue that people are going to switch their vote. That's not yeah. issue. The, no political side. This is the thing about Pacman is he has infantile conversations to pe for people who want to flatter themselves that they're getting some sort of nutrition. He mm -hmm. will not engage with any sort of actual uh, uh, post-Zionist historian, uh, any new new historian. Maybe maybe Benny Morris because that's when Destiny will do too. They'll do the guy who uh, recanted. Um, um, but and and he won't engage with anything even political scientists say about this which mm. is not that oh someone's gonna switch their vote no they just won't fucking show up they won't turn out mm. to vote because you know what actually that's the thing in this country is you have to work so oh shit am i gonna go before work or am i gonna go after work you know what uh, i woke up kind of late today i guess i'm not going before work you know what i'm kind of busy i'm kind of tired after a full day at work maybe i'm not gonna vote after work either that decision is very fucking easy to make because i make that sometimes too and <laughs> like uh, like i mean that's just the reality and mm. and so like yeah you're I think you should turn out to vote for Democrats like Rashida Tlaib and any sort of in an installation. That well, he doesn't because, you know, he's been somebody I, who's been willing to, to sit here and, uh, you exactly. know, drag her through the mud. Yeah. And what pisses me off about Pacman, uh, among other things, is that playing the cop. Uh, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to touch these issues because everyone gets mad when I do. Um, mm hmm. If you're going to jump in to uh, call for a congressperson that the, that uh, represents Palestinians at a moment that Palestinians are being ethnically cleansed, to call for her to issue an apology for something you know jack shit about, uh, and then you just dropped later. Because guess what? Actually, it's not just that Israel bombs hospitals, which they did at that time objectively, and uh, they'd have sense. They also bulldoze them. They also, mm -hmm. like, like they, they've bumped every university. That entire thing, one, it, it, it not only shows that Pacman is uh, a bit soft on Israel, for instance, and, like, the type of war crimes they commit, he's also out of his depth because he didn't know what to expect. He had no idea that that's actually the reality that we're dealing with here. Israel is, like, will do shit like that. And so, yeah, it's easier to shut up about it. It's easier to say, hmm, what are you gonna do, vote for Trump? Hmm, maybe mm -hmm. hostage. Yeah, yeah. You think Joe Biden, you think Joe Biden's done shit for hostage, uh, hostage uh, negotiations? Ho you know what, they actually they did. I take that back. Joe Biden immediately, October 8th, uh, had his uh, guy, Anthony Blinken, put out a tweet saying, we agree with Turkey that we should uh, pursue a ceasefire and exchange of hostages. And then he deleted that tweet. And guess what? Hostages have been under terrible conditions since then. And a little bit later, they released some of them, and then they restarted bombing uh, uh, and killing more people. So, like, all that stuff, it's, it's infantile. That's where Pacman is on this issue.
It's 100% infantile and like, you know, the, the, the Trump kind of monologue there, I think is 100%. That's like pure Pac-Man because that is like the only way that he can think. It's almost an ornament, right? It's like a, uh, whatever's going on in, 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 in the Middle East with Israel-Palestine is sort of like, what is this going to mean? For, like, this is political analysis, right? What does this mean for the horse race? And that's something we're very critical on this show is like a lot of people, the only way they can think about politics is who's going to win this election and that election, right? Instead of actually looking at this um, from a materialist view, it's like who is gaining power, who's gaining influence? What is happening in the world? What does this mean for everyday working people, right? And so, what is this going to mean in 2024 when people go and vote, right? Stupid, moronic bullshit. The second thing is just a straight up fucking lie to sit here and be like, J Joe Biden. I mean, it's, you know what, actually, you know what, Matt? It's not. It's not a lie. I, I take that back because mm -hmm. it would be a lie if the, um, if somebody didn't want what is going on um, to not be happening, right? Um, but Pacman, I think it's very comfortable with Israel's bombing campaign. Now he's going to say, oh, you know, I want them to hit the targets. There is no way that you drop the amount of munitions that have been dropped on Gaza and you can sit here with a straight face and say, we are targeting, we are targeting military, uh, mil mil military targets. Bullshit lie to sit there and say that so you accept it now in all of this fucking window dressing well i don't like the right wing in israel i would like it if the left came back to power in israel the left doesn't exist in israel because israel is a settler colonial state that is that is obsessively pursuing a goal of eradicating palestinians eradicating palestinians um and 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 denying them human rights within Israel, um, and then denying them the very right to life in Gaza and in the West Bank. That is what the reality of the Israeli government is, because it can never um, do what needs to be done, which is to pursue a one-state solution with equal rights for people, regardless of their ethnicity or religion. Wow, what a fucking liberal concept, by the way. Uh, a democracy where people have equal rights and equal vote? That should be the kind of shit that liberals like fucking Pac-Man are able to uphold. But no, we're going to make an exception for this ethno-state, and we're going to cry and whine about the consequences of our support for that? Give me a fucking break. You either take the position that Israel has the right to exist as a Jewish exclusive state as an ethno state for a certain group of people right you say i believe in that that means that you have to support because if you say you're for one group of people having political representation having access to land having all those kind of things you need to exclude the others this is the natural the sorry this is the natural end to that fucking project and it has been that way our entire life oh or yeah our parents but. yeah that's true yeah <laughs> Um, or you take the position um, that we should be pursuing a humane solution to this, which is a one-state solution with equal rights for human beings. And to sit here and, 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 and whine about the right wing, the right wing comes out of these kind of policies. Just like in this country, by the way, yeah. continued whiny government um, from centrist neoliberals always mean that the far right is going to be in power because liberals get into the government in the United States and they don't do shit or they oversee massive crimes against humanity like Joe Biden is doing right now. Um, and it creates very, very great conditions for all those young people and other groups to sit home and not vote for the Democrat because why would I support somebody who's doing this? 
Don't you see these things are all deeply rooted and connected? But instead, no, I, instead of having a very serious conversation about this, let's have a surface level bullshit conversation about whether or not you think Trump or Biden is good. And also, oh, people support uh, don't like Biden because he's old, right? Which is his, uh, which is his new like kind of calling card uh, or defense of Biden. He's like, well, people say he's old, right? Friend, people say a lot more shit about Joe Biden than that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, okay, there is a member of the Israeli Knesset that I do support on the left, Ofer Kassif, the Hadash, <laughs> the Hadash party. Uh, that, that's not who Pacman means. And so Pacman will not, and it's cowardly is what it is. This, mm -hmm. ooh, what did, we talked in the previous segment, we talked about him um, in the post game being, what is Zionism? Who can really even know? It means so many different things. It's hurled out for so many people, even insulting reasons. Well, define it yourself. And then mm -hmm. tell you, uh, and then say whether you agree with it or not, um, because mm -hmm. I think um, that is going to bring into like relief those questions of like okay, what? Because I, like this thing of like college kids saying apartheid. No, Amnesty International says actually this whole oh, yeah. thing, this whole thing for our entire like for the last reports where we've been pretending like Israel doesn't control the occupied territories. Um, we're gonna stop doing that now right like and uh just point to the reality that like we we're building walls between people and fencing them in places um and we're gonna ad address that now also the things in your constitution that talk about uh, jewish self-determination above all others uh you know that that put a lie to even like the nominal uh non uh ethno -y things that used to be like all that stuff is old arguments it is what it is. Like Elam Pappy and Tony Judd, they've been proven right. One one hundred percent. And um, we got another guy to get to with Biden, so we might we might need to move on. But last point I'll make on this is a little bit less specific to to Israel Palestine and all this. But you know, I'm sorry. Somebody like David Pakman is very similar to somebody um, like uh, who's your boy at the Mug Club, um, Crowder, Stephen Crowder. Or somebody like Charlie Kirk or Ben Shapiro. What, David, you're being extreme? You're being extreme? No, it's the same thing where instead of actually engaging with, you know, the organizations that you were just talking about, Matt, like Amnesty International or these historians um, or, you know, the journalists and thinkers and people engaging in this kind of work. What if instead I just would have operated, what are the college kids saying? Dude, what if I could destroy a college kid or a young person, yep. right? The focus is always like, oh, we're going to get the 18, 19 year olds. Your media professional friend, you know, I think you got the, the talent to sit and talk in front of a microphone, give people credit where it's due, right? Not the ideas, but certainly, you know, you can do that kind of thing. Who you take up on as your kind of interlocutors, even if they're not on stage, even if it's just sort of like, oh, who am I talking about? Oh, people on the online, people on Twitter or young college kids. Uh, you know, it shows me that you're not very serious about this kind of thing uh, when that's the only people that you're engaging with. And it's the same fucking thing as when Crowder goes and wants to sit in the college quad and debate 18, 19 year olds who are very passionate about a subject um, and, and, and might get flustered or confused or bamboozled again with like outdated old school arguments too on whatever subject it is it's the same fucking thing and it's pathetic um in any context but especially when it's um being used to excuse somebody allowing mass slaughter of human beings bombing of yeah. hospitals churches <laughs> jesus fucking christ in heaven man yeah and like uh, i'm looking like <laughs> is he debate 
uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's you know fair. We don't debate. It's 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 you know you don't have to debate. But when what you're going up against is the kids. Even even if you're just playing things or just talking about it abstractly, here's an argument to here's an argument to tell to your 19 year old niece, right? Because I maybe the audience is just uncles. I don't know, right? Um, you know, it's it's just unserious to me. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's on the fast track to become Alan Colmes, uh, getting invited by Patrick, Beth David and, uh, Tim pool. <laughs> well, uh, let's go to the second boss. Cause let's talk about the economy because, you know, I, I, I think rightfully there, a lot of focus has been on violence, uh, foreign policy and, and it should be right. It's disgusting what's going on, but this kind of subtle thing has been going on that has been, I think would actually be taking up a lot more attention of people in left and, and socialist media right now. Um, if you know. Uh, in what was going on in the heart and Gaza wasn't going on right now, which is that the libs are making insane excuses for the United States economy right now. Exactly right. So the the uh, sort of guy, and I'm glad that we're making this about Biden because I don't think Will Stansel has the stature. To That's really what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but I will just say, yeah, as a, a sort of person who represents this, the economy mm -hmm. is good. What's wrong with you people? Um, uh, you know, here's a headline from Yahoo Finance, what Americans get wrong about the Biden economy and the upshot of what their argument is like, look, GDP's grown so much guys. And, uh, also inflation is, uh, not, uh, as high as it was, which doesn't mean we've seen any deflation. It just means that the, uh, uh rise is gone. And to be completely fair, something that's not mentioned in this article, but is true, is that low uh, wages for low-income people have seen some uh, rise over the past uh, few years, mm -hmm. past year or so. Which is not to say everybody else has, has gone up. Mm -hmm. Just like, and I'll just say, like, like, well, let's get to uh, Will Stansel as an exponent of. Before we get into what, like, maybe some other indicators that you might want to look at before being just completely perplexed by the output of your very crude model of the economy. Um, but I mean, just to give people an example of like what Will Stansel does here. Um, he, he, he's got this, some great tweets from the past a few weeks. Um, here's one, the overall increase in home, this is from a Philip Lewis uh, tweet, like US homelessness tied to soaring rents and loss of pandemic aid up 12% to highest level since reporting began in 2007. What does the Biden defender say to that? He says, Will Stansel, the overall increase in homelessness represents 1 50th of 1% of population. It's bad that this is happening. It's also an incredibly small sliver of population. But this news gets more coverage than increased earnings for 150 Holy million shit. Americans. Now, I don't know about... Can I just take a stab at this before? How about, hmm, we talk about the income going up for the lowest wages of people. I would also imagine that those are the people that are most likely to be priced out of raising rents. So maybe, oh. just maybe, that, like, I, I, and I'll just say, like, I am making as more money than I ever have in my entire life. Well, pretty much, right? When TMBS was going, um, I was making a little bit more. Um, but anyway, um, guess what i am way less i, I am way less co confident about my financial situation just given like the just and it's clear mm. it's just rents it I, like if i lose this place 
you know what how awful it is to find a new place in new york let alone one that isn't going to take like four thousand three thirty five hundred dollars like i mean so i mean let's just go through a little bit more of these before we uh we 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 sounds good um in too much i mean i could go off out um oh here is a him yes this is what's so maddening we are in the middle of a huge rise in wages of low-income people a big reduction in income equality but the online quote left is behaving exactly like upper middle class consumers complaining prices are too high <laughs> largely because labor costs more and now does he think that all these it's not just the online left who's asked if they think biden is doing a good job and i promise you the online left does not have that kind of sway i work for one of the um I mean, bigger, yeah. like independent online left sort of things. If we could have this sort of effect, um, I mean, Jesus, I, I, I would love that. Um, but go ahead, David. No, and like, like no, I mean, like the, the the left thing, whatever. I don't give a shit about that. Um, yeah. This is one fucking guy. They get mad because they go on the computer and they just see people and they're not in the party, so they're mad, right? Whatever. The whole thing here that connecting. Um, high prices to wage increases is one a conservative argument inherently and is also factually wrong again for somebody who likes to be the facts guy one thing if you do spend any time looking at this guy's stuff it's very apparent the dude does not read very much um oftentimes is sort of digging into sources that he doesn't understand which is something that you can do very well on twitter.com um but when you look at inflation, um, the most recent inflation, uh, you know, in like 2022, for example, um, one of the arguments that the right wingers were saying, well, people are demanding more money. People are demanding more money. And that's what happens when people get paid a fair wage or higher wage. Uh, costs go up for everybody. And actually, that's why minimum wage increases are bad because you raise the minimum wage, prices go up, things get more unaffordable, and then those wages can't keep up and it creates a death spiral of, of higher prices. Well, the fact is, is that what happened in 2022, and there's just tremendous amounts of data on this, is not that labor costs push prices up for things but rather that corporations across the globe recognized that they could charge higher prices um, for the goods and services that they provide. And do you think that they did that, Matt? Yes, they did that across the board. Um, and you know, this is why people were terming it the greedflation crisis instead of the inflation crisis, because mm -hmm. it was such a naked example of the power of that a lot of these corporations have over the market um, because more and more uh, pricing power has been consolid consolidated in a few groups um, that they, and they pursued that. So prices went up across the board for most things. And again, it wasn't because, you know, the actual cost of things, um, you know, became untenable, particularly because of labor power. If anything, you know, the fact is that there were still um, knockdown effects from the pandemic shutdowns um, that caused a lot of things to go up. But once they started charging prices because of those issues during the pandemic, they were like, man, people will pay a lot of money for a toothbrush. People will pay a lot of money for deodorant, right? Well, why? Because people need these things. And they just raise the prices on everything. And it's very, very convenient um, for anti-labor ad advocates to sit there and say, look, prices have gone up. Oh, if you see wages for low-wage workers have gone up a little bit, well, that's because and prices have gone right. up. And it's not true. And look, here we have progressive, super smart boy, Will Stance, or whatever the fuck his name is, 
um, basically sounding like a right wing um, psychopath um, because he wants to own uh, the pro labor people on Twitter. I mean, look, this is sort of what you get when you spend your time uh, surrounding yourself around people who are advocating for Joe Biden in 2023. Yeah, I mean, this is so much explains like what we were saying when we we're talking about landlords for UBI. Like you can't just um, look at like something like wage growth in the lower for among lower income people and be like, oh, well, the problem solved. Good. Like there's an entire new set of problems that those people are dealt with by the people who are sucking them dry already. Uh, yeah, just a few. This isn't um, this isn't Stancil, but it's Stancil brained. Um, <laughs> this is um, uh, pointed out by Scarlett Red. Um, so uh, Daniel Day Jewish uh, points out, I don't really buy the tied to soaring rents part. Most of the homeless issues I've seen would not be solved by rent being eighteen fifty instead of twenty three hundred. And somebody, Antelope Guggenheim, says, I literally lost my housing because my landlord jacked my rent up from twelve fifty to fifteen fifty. There's a Daniel Dejuris response. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I've seen this a lot, but I guess where you can find something cheaper and not depends on the market. And like, are you not understanding what you're fucking saying? The word <laughs> first of all, I don't understand like the hubris of like yeah. just getting online and talking about homelessness and why people might experience it. You, you know what? I think it might actually have something to do with, oh, all of a sudden I have to pay 300 more dollars a fucking month to stay here. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. that might, what do you think? What else? I mean, well, I know what they say is like drug addiction and shit like that, mm -hmm. which is again, like you say, a right wing propaganda uh, talking point. Michael Schellenberger, the fucking Twitter files, uh, plant um wrote san francisco which is all about how actually don't worry about the rentiers don't worry about the landlords in this it's actually all these people are just addicted to drugs well you know what who has a higher addiction rate for drugs than san francisco is west virginia you know who doesn't have the chronic homelessness issue uh west virginia because housing is more affordable there it's simple um and so yeah that's that's um one more thing uh here's another this is where the thing about Stancil though is like I blocked him and I actually only see him now if people because uh, he like he's frivolous. And I might have blocked him too, so yeah, we're catching up um, on the lore. Here is the type of thing he says, like you know, somebody says, "Will Stancil is proof that no such meritocracy exists in America? If it did, nobody." would know who he is absolutely right by jay pizzle 604 um will stencil writes the only reason you know who i am is twitter where i stand on the strength of my views <laughs> and my background means nothing <laughs> you hate me because i've climbed into your head based on nothing but your faction's own ideological weakness i am your lack of merit come to haunt you um i, I love i love how <laughs> that's how a, yeah well know. there we go i'm a fan now um, he also said, uh, talked about fascism. Uh, John Gann says it does not grow automatically about fascism. Uh, fascism does not grow automatically as a rise to a set of economic conditions, but fascism is a re response to a social crisis. It cannot convert people to its ideas without seeming plausible. Anyway, it talks about how like economics actually do have something to do with if fascism is on the rise. Stancil, I mean, fascism is obviously pretty strong right now in the U.S., and we are not going through any kind of social crisis beyond the fascism thing. Honestly, even that, like, I think we have a right-wing problem. This is where I do actually, this is where I agree with um, Bessner or Adam Tooze um, or uh, Richard Evans when they talk about the dissimilarities between fascism, which is like an extremely militarized society, mm -hmm. which is not the type of like Chili's going patriots <laughs> that are doing the uh, 
uh, truck protests. But anyway, oh, but the last 40 years of America life are such a social crisis. Stretches a term beyond any useful meaning. The last 40 years, I could make a strong argument that, like, can coupled with a rise in awareness of like one just just a like rising inequality and lack of opportunity we have uh significantly less income mobility uh compared to our neighbors to the north in canada for instance um uh and like uh, the idea i mean he wants to argue that this is purely idealistic right without knowledge he continues would anyone have looked at the richest big society on earth getting richer Get, like who's all getting richer uh, while its politics produced the contestants between people like Barack Obama and Mitt Romney and said, yes, this nation is clearly primed for massive riches and fascism. Like, there was a fucking housing crisis at that exact Matt. moment, you moron. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> I mean that that's insane. Um, I mean, we, like, stopped building houses for, like, four or five years. And uh, austerity, you know, that's one of the things Joe Biden was supposed to have learned. Actually, if I was if I was a propagandist for Biden, I would be leaning on that thing of like, okay, at least he's done Keynesianism relative to um, um, Obama. So apparently, it's not helpful to look um, <laughs> at, at forty years, right? Because there's nothing, you know, too much has changed. Now, there's something very, very significant that happened that I think actually dramatically affects American politics and the American economy. Um, even through the Joe Biden years, uh, which is the gap between productivity and typical workers' compensation has increased dramatically since 1979. Huh? What's 40? What's 2023? Man? Oh, interesting. Um, seems to line up actually uh, pretty well here. And as you can see, um, for people who aren't following, watching on, uh, sorry, watching the video, um, there's this graph here from the EPI. Uh, which shows the gap between productivity and a typical worker's compensation. So it means people are becoming more effective, more productive at work, creating more value, and yet they're taking less and less and less and less of it home. Huh. I mean, I wonder if that creates any kind of scarcity um, or difficulty um, for, for everyday people and doing things like paying for food, doing things like engaging in the economy. Oh, GDP's up, Matt. GDP's up. Yeah, we're um, all richer. <laughs> Congratulations, GDP's up. We're, we're all more richer. productive. We're more productive than we've ever been before. Why could and this be a problem? We, we see effectively. The thing that's really notable about this graph is not just that they don't line up, but it's just it's almost like a, you know a straight line uh, for the, yeah. for the wages, right? If you control for inflation, I mean oh, it is yeah, it is minuscule increase over forty years. So yeah, no, I actually do think that forty year might actually comparison might actually tell us a lot about the social state of of America, and you know, it, it, sorry, the economic state and the social too, right? Um, it, it, it's just it's just amazing um, to watch these guys uh, continue to just. Uh, be so fucking wrong about this because i think that like you know if the economy the gdp was up and things were growing and people were feeling more confident about their future that some of those fundamental issues um were starting to move then yeah maybe there might be a little bit of credit to give uh to joe biden and an argument for him but if you're experiencing the same kind of spiral that people have experienced their entire fucking life. If you've been a worker for 40 years, or you've been a worker for 10 years, whatever. Of yeah. man, I got a raise. Nice. Oh shit. It's less than inflation, right? Oh, now everything costs more. Yeah, maybe that's why all these people aren't giving this guy a lot of credit uh, for GDP increases. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what, what the fuck else can you say at this point? Um, <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we can say. I'm that, sure he can say more. Yeah, I'm sorry, I spoke this, too soon. This is a post. This is a post that got deleted. People get mad at me for not engaging with the literature, and it's true. I rarely do, but it's because I trust myself to be able to think relatively soundly about the world for a clean from a clean slate. But I do not <laughs> trust myself not to mangle any kind of academic field I'm not expert in. Now, uh, Carl Bayer <laughs> has a good. Fuck? Carl That's Bayer awesome, has, bro. I got the. the <laughs> I got the cleanest dome in America right now. <laughs> this was prompted by this carlbear.com post, which uh, goes into uh, Will's psychologism. Uh, consider Will's argument for psychologism. He doesn't call it what it is, but that's what it is. He writes, quote, there are clear observable shifts in public opinion as if a gust had occurred and pushed everyone one direction all at once. If something causes those shifts, the question is what? If you treat politics as a psychological process, it's easy to quickly arrive at the conclusion that the forces that are going to have the strongest effect on voters are the barrage of direct messages they receive. Messages that more or less directly tell people what to believe. Uh, Carl continues, is this true in their study of assessing the e effects of media coverage on the economy on aggregate economic pol public opinion, Boyson, Heighton, and Lynn conclude, quote, first, we have demonstrated that the mass public's collective economic attitudes are tethered to economic reality to an extent greater than reported in previous research. The lion's share of consumer sentiment is explained by economic fundamentals. Recall that the saturated model accounted for 85%. So yeah, um, that's why uh, uh, Will was a little bit sensitive about whether or not he um, uh, reads anything. Um, and just, you know, I have, I have some numbers here just to scan through. I'm like, um, but first I, 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 like to the extent that like, I don't also, I also don't look at metrics. Uh, when I, I kind of go by vibes too. I think Orwell was, uh, uh, going by better vibes, um, in the forties when he wrote this in the England, your England about, uh, attitudinal different changes over the course of the twenties. The underlying fact was that the whole position of the money class had long since ceased to be justifiable. There they sat at the center of a vast empire and a worldwide financial network, drawing interest and profits and spending them on what? It's fair to say that life within the British Empire was in many ways better than life outside it. Still, the empire was underdeveloped, India slept in the Middle Ages, and dominions lay empty, with foreigners jealously barred out, and even England was full of slums and unemployment. Only half a million people, the people in the country houses, definitely benefited from the existing system. Moreover, the ten tendency of small businesses to merge together into large ones robbed more and more of the money classes of their function and turned them into mere owners, their work be being done for them by salaried managers and technicians. For long past, there had been in England an entirely functionless class, and living on money that was invested they hardly knew where, the idle rich, the people whose photographs you can look at in the Tatler and the bystander, always <laughs> supposing that you want to. The existence of these people was by any standard unjustifiable. They were simply parasites, less useful to society than his fleas are to a dog. Orwell continues um, to say that, uh, you know, in the uh, 20s, there were uh, thousands of people knew this. By the end of the decade, millions of people knew it. And why? Because you had a Great Depression. And all of a sudden, people's attitudes towards the economy that they grew up in um, change. Now, that is to say, like, if Will and all these people were right, that all of the metrics look good. And of course, that is not true uh, remotely either. Um, uh, just recently, they restarted student loan payments. 40% uh, of uh, 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 I saw this. Unbelievable. 40% they have not made a payment yet. 
Um, and that was a high priority, according to the Biden administration, um, to get that restarted. That was a choice that he made economically. And I, I have this thread started in July, or Ju- July 6th, 2023. I said, before you say the economy is good compared to the G7 or whatever, <laughs> you have to say your income and monthly written mortgage. And I'll just say like a number of these things. Uh, 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 Renee at hashtag ceasefire now the supply of rental units uh, affordable to lower and middle income renters fell by 3.9 million over the last decade that's one bit New York City rents are breaking records and are expected to keep growing that's another one that's us uh, bitching about it Um, (laughs) Branko going into it Uh, oh uh, Jeff Stein who's been very good on this uh, one of the reporters at, at the Washington Post who's actually not snowed in by any of this what's going on Homelessness on the rise after steep pandemic era drop. Of course, that that drop I think is might be overstated because I don't think they that they um, were. Uh, I don't think that the collection was going on as seamlessly. But anyway, there's also uh, moratoriums on evictions and stuff like that. Uh, uh, Ferris Sufra Forest. Oh, the average rent in Brooklyn is up 11.9 percent this time last year. Of course, not every place is Brooklyn, but most places and it's not all i know i know the rent has softened a little bit in austin but that's from no i was gonna say i mean it's rough still you know what i mean like no i mean like it's it's yeah it's like there has been and we need to get into it like there's been some kind of drop but the thing is like that went after a a period where like rents were almost going up like a hundred percent over the course of like a decade do you know what exactly. I mean? So it's like, so okay, yeah, it's not the fastest growing rental market in the country anymore. It still has priced out an entire group of workers in less than a decade. Yeah, inflation it, like is is down. That doesn't mean there's been deflation. Uh, is a pretty <laughs> important thing. Um, oh, uh, here's another one. The average family health insurance premium is up 249 percent since the year 2000. That's great. I'm sure everyone loves that. Only 24% of Democrats say they are better off financially under Biden. Maybe they just are looking at TikTok too much to mm-hmm. actually understand, uh, you know, the, <laughs> their bank accounts. Um, Bidenomics, uh, Stephen Semler, uh, for some people, financial insecurity by fiscal year. Uh, more than 40% of Americans are facing hardship. That is up from uh, uh, 32% in 2020. Oh, nice. Um, oh, uh, you know, there's another stencil thing there. Um, he's upset. What is he upset about? Um, uh yeah whatever um and uh keep finding the number of americans who didn't have enough to eat over two one-week periods increased by 40.8 percent between september october 2021 and september october 2023 so yeah maybe people are just too on tiktok to know Mm. to fucking go buy groceries um this stuff is it's maddening it really is like, I mean, obviously there's maddening stuff going on with regards to Israel, Palestine, and the type mm-hmm. of like lies that you have to deal with. This is, this is every bit is insane to me. Like, how can you say that? How can mm-hmm. you say, just look down like, like, and it's like, can we let, even, even if like every working person of every income, even if their wages had gone up, like for an extended period this whole time, and none of the other stuff had been raised to me you want me to be super happy about that how about we let that go longer than one fucking business cycle you know because who because right now at the at the head of the fucking federal reserve bank you have somebody who's raised interest rates in part i mean because of the amount of um i mean bold activity you're seeing from labor and what you've seen in the labor market and not mm-hmm. entirely about that but i think americans are becoming more and more aware that that is something that the uh, fed keeps an eye on and so i i, I just 
I, I don't, it, I mean, it, it, what it is, is it's partisan propaganda. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've dealt with it in depth here, but ultimately it needs to be dismissed. 100%. And let's not forget the guy at the top of it is uh, Joe Biden, who is left reckoning 2023 bum steer of the year. He'll be asking for y'all's vote soon, uh, folks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what you have to say after <laughs> what he's put so many people through um, and watching that party continue uh, to not really fundamentally change despite all of the exciting narratives that are being produced in the media, which all are trying to do the same thing, right? You know, Matt, you know, this is a good writer's trick when you were a newspaper man yourself. Uh, back in college, um, what are your, what does your editor always tell you? Show don't tell. Um, well, one thing that has become abundantly clear is that that maxim has been lost in a lot of American media as the vast majority of stories um, from a lot of these folks is like, well, you might actually think that things are bad, but actually they're good, you know? <laughs> and I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, in politics, there's something, I think the vibes test is something that should be respected. Um, and not sort of treated as people being irrational, but yeah, maybe looking at metrics like, Oh, GDP is up or even, Oh, inflation isn't rising as much as we thought before. Has people's fundamental reality changed? No. Um, in fact, a lot of people are feeling anxiety about whether or not they're worse than just two years ago, which is a horrifying thing to think about what people were going through two years ago. Um, yeah, you're probably not going to get a lot of sympathy and love from folks after that being their experience. One final one, Gabriel Zuckman, low wages are growing, but the declining disposable income over 2021 to 2023 due to the phase out of COVID policies completely swamps that not crazy to believe this is behind a lot of people's discontent with the economy now. And, and like Gabriel Zuckman is not like some like yeah. Jacobin writer. I think he's like, I think he's, uh, works with Pickett, Thomas Pickett. <laughs> right. So it's like, this is, this is out there. This is, mm-hmm. this is the state of like what the only people confused about this are democratic, uh, you know, partisans. That's the only people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, any final words, Matt, on the year of 2023? Uh, good riddance, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's about right. Um, apart from uh, very exciting stuff in labor, a lot of really dark yeah. and miserable, miserable things. Um, here's to the future and uh, what's up next. I think, I think people are moving. I think there's a lot of things to be very frustrated and angry about. But I'll tell you all, as I say all the time, never lose hope because the fact is, is that a lot of folks are really getting organized, getting engaged and you know, the future can be ours if we're willing to fight for it. So fuck all these people. Let's leave them behind in 2023 and on to, to building up an actual strong left and labor movement in this country. Um, that will hopefully do a lot of good things for us and for the rest of the world too. Absolutely. Peace out, all right, friends. Happy new year.